Welcome back, everybody, to another Word Books with Friends. This week we're discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. Ooh. I am again, still the same person, Paul, and I'm joined by, again, the same person, my co-host, Chris. Are any of us always going to be the same person, though? I like to think we, you know, we learn, we grow, we change. We're able to Neville it up. Not in the first book, because Neville's always just going to be Neville. We hope it, that we will eventually glow up and grow up. But you know what? Uh, some of us, we have a hard time with it. And Neville is definitely having a hard time with it. Uh, his first year of school is probably the worst of anybody's. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. Neville, Neville wins that award. Yeah, yeah. You almost get killed twice, but Neville had it worse. And it's not really his fault, you know? He's just trying his best, but kind of failing upwards just a little bit. Where Harry Potter catches all the breaks and lucks out with everything, Neville gets that short end of the luck. In those cases, it kind of reminds me that to thank our this week's sponsor for providing a product that I think we can all use from time to time. Because life gets pretty chaotic. Think your schedule is filling up faster than ever, even though you got no place to go. And you feel like maybe there's something you forgot. And then in that case, just give the remember all squeeze. It'll turn red if you forgot something. Will it help you remember what you forgot? No, but it's going to throw it in your face anyways. Thanks, remember all. That's what this week's sponsor. Thanks, remember all. You've done nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another piece of useless wizarding technology. It's it's like a first generation kind of thing. It's like first we'll turn red. Oh, so you think it gets better over time? Oh, yeah, I think somebody is going to eventually work on it and be like, now in that red piece of smoke, it's going to you know you're going to see something that will kind of remind you to to do something. Like the, it's basically going from the uh, the iPod to the iPhone. Remember how many different generations there was of that? There was the there was iPhone. some build up. Big build up. You know, you didn't even have video on the original line. Uh, I so jumping in the uh, the Wayback Machine or the I'm going to take a spin on the time turner here. Uh, I don't even remember what year it was, but one of my girlfriends we broke up, and for Christmas I had gotten her diamond earrings, and then we broke up before Christmas, so I returned them, and then all the money that I got back, I actually. I don't remember what generation it was, but I bought myself the 80 gig like video iPod and I had enough money to get that like a plastic shell for it. Um, I got some other, like I think it was like a car adapter or something. Like I bought all of that. And then later, like a month after that, like we had like a, meet up, sit down, like, hey, let's catch up, even though we're not together, talk. And I, I like, it was like a pseudo break, like, oh, yeah, I have an iPod now, like, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking it's funny to be like, oh, yeah, the, maybe the remember all becomes that in Harry Potter, like, because yeah. this is all in 1990-something. Like, I don't remember the exact year, 94. No, it would have been before that. Because the actual battle of the Hogwarts is 98. Uh, anyways, yeah. Chapter 15, Forbidden Forest. <laughs> Chapter 15. 
the remember all the MIDI player <laughs> of the listening world. We're talking about the remember all a little bit because this chapter starts with Neville ending up getting caught along with Harry and Hermione. Neville comes out to try to warn <sighs> the Neville. two uh, that hey, Malfoy is going to try to set you up, trying to get, get trying to catch you. Just be careful. And of course, he gets caught a little after. Hermione and Harry do, and they're all brought to face uh, Professor McGonagall, and she is beside herself. Four students, out of bed, all on the same night. Never has she ever been so ashamed of Gryffindors, and she's got to do something big here. She goes big. 50 points each. Each, Chris. Each. That's huge. That's a blow. Now remember... Malfoy got 20 points taken away from Slytherin for being out of bed. 20. I talked about this a little bit before, too, and I I feel like it's McGonagall going kind of hard on Gryffindors just so it can't be perceived there's any kind of favoritism there. Because, you know, she is the house head of, of Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. She She's not going to snape this one. Yeah, but I think she's the only one playing by that rule. <laughs> We don't see Professor Flitwick. <laughs> we don't see Flitwick or uh, Professor Sprout doing much of anything, though. Uh, Flitwick has given out points to uh, Hermione. Yeah. She's earned points, and she complained about you know them lo- losing the first time they lost points. Um, but the big thing from this, too, is this effectively puts Gryffindor in last place for the House Cup. Like, any kind of you know traction that they gained has now been lost in what was ultimately like a good thing that they were doing. Like they had to get Norbert off of the school grounds, not just because that's protecting Hagrid, but also that's a, that's an illegal dragon. Like you can't blame them for being like, no, let's, let's do something. Like we need to, to help the situation. Yeah, because if they didn't uh, get it off to Romania, you know, that, Dragon was going to end up in the Forbidden Forest, just like burning stuff down. Just like everything else that Hagrid happens upon, like it just—that's his dumping ground. Like, comes across something, doesn't know what to do with it, uh, throw it out me back door, kids. <laughs> Here we go. It's the it's, forest problem now. It's that one closet we all don't talk about in our house. It's that one <laughs> junk drawer, of, you know, where we found something yeah. on the floor. We're not sure what. It's four, but we know it's important, so we just throw it in a drawer, put it in a little box. We all have that. But this is this is kind of like the turning point then for Harry, too, because he was starting to kind of ride high. Like, he came into the school year unsure of himself and his place in the world. You know, he started to succeed. Like, he was getting the ground underneath him. He was Hogwarts, um, like, house hero over at Gryffindor because... You know, he's on the uh, Quidditch team. He got them the lead, not just by winning the game, but also that earned them points. And now all of this has kind of cost not just Gryffindor, but him everything. And once everyone wakes up the next day, like he's kind of public enemy number one. Because even the Ravenclaw and the Hufflepuff kids hate Harry now because this effectively has put Slytherin in the head for the House Cup. So... It's kind of like that enemy of my enemies, my friend type situation where now everyone's suffering because of this. And I like seeing that Harry 
feels this remorse, and he feels like he's got to do something to make up for it. He knows he can't make up those points. So he goes to uh, Oliver Wood, and he's like, look, I got a reason. He's like, I don't deserve to be representing Gryffindor anymore. You know, I screwed up big. I should resign. And and I love Oliver Wood here. He goes, dude, resigning won't help anything. You, you can't earn points not being on the Quidditch team. Like, come on, this is your only shot. Yeah. It seems like Harry could go in a very self-destructive spiral here. I screwed up big. I need to make amends for it. And sometimes resigning and withdrawing, even Hermione's doing this. They're, they're both being a little self-destructive. Hermione should be still at answering questions in class because that's what was getting her points. That's how she contributes. That's also kind of how she feels good about herself because like you know up until the past few chapters like she's been kind of that i don't want to say wallflower but she was struggling to find her place because she was an outcast even amongst her own house like being good at school was like the only thing that she really had to cling to and now even though she has friends and has that kind of crutch to her like she can't even do that because she doesn't want to draw that attention to herself and Harry was about to do the same thing with giving up Quidditch, and that would just further them down this kind of self-destructive spiral. I think it's great that Oliver Wood tells him, hey, you gotta think a little bit more about just giving up on things. And also, I don't remember if it was in this chapter or if it was in another one where it's even mentioned like, that Gryffindor doesn't even have a, a backup seeker. So if Harry's not there, like they wouldn't even be able to play. It was the previous one because okay. they, they didn't have one in reserve with Professor Snape. It's when they were talking about how Snape was going to ref the game where uh, Harry was like, well, I, he's got it out for me. Like if I play, like, he's going to, he's going to catch us on little things anyways. They just feel like they let them down. And I think we've all felt that. I think what's nice about this book is we see heroes that, get into relatable situations. You know, they're struggling with tests. They're struggling with nerves. And here we see them struggling with how to deal with that feeling that you let people down. And we've all done it. You know? mm. How they make up for letting people down is serving the attention. <laughs> yeah, which I have a lot of issue with because their detention is communicated to them via note from Professor McGonagall, which... We don't know how long, like the span of time is between when they get caught to when they have detention. Uh, because at this point, like Harry had even forgotten about it. Uh, I was desperately trying to find what night they got detention on or was assigned to them. And I couldn't find it uh, because according to Professor McGonagall, and this is directly from her note, your detention will take place at 11 o'clock tonight. Meet Mr. Filch in the main entrance hall. I have so much issue with this. This kind of harkens back to my, what kind of school is this? Where they have to get permission signed to go to Hogsmeade, but they can play in deadly games like Quidditch or Triwizard Tournament. Detention at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, that's, that's really late to be sending students to detention. Let alone the fact that their detentions actually going into the Forbidden Forest, a place that students are forbidden to go to. It's a place that Harry's already been to once. But he was kind of on the outskirts of it. Like, they, 
he saw Snape and Quirrell talking by the forest. Like, I don't think it was necessary. like... He was in the branches of a tree, Chris. Uh, and where do the trees grow? In the forest. They could have picked up Norbert in the forest, but they still didn't. You know why? It's forbidden. It's in the name. It's too low. They didn't want to get that low. We discussed that. <laughs> so their their whole intention is going to be going with Hagrid into the forest. Unofficial Hogwarts business. And Malfoy has a problem with this. Malfoy mentions that, hey, this is servant's work. Uh, okay, little white collar there on your terminology, but I mentioned a couple chapters ago, aka a couple episodes ago, I don't completely disagree with Malfoy on some stuff. I think it's cool to go see a dragon being hatched. That's a big deal. I also think it's kind of a big deal that you're sending 11-year-old kids into a murder forest. This is kind of beyond them. And this might be like that kind of revisionist history thing, but Dolores Umbridge, one of the most reviled characters in Harry Potter history, when Harry gets detention, his punishment is copying down lines. Even in the next book, when he gets detention under Gilderoy Lockhart, he's there late signing autographed pictures of him. Terrible punishments? Yes, definitely. Not as bad as being sent into Murder Forest, a.k.a. the Forbidden Forest. To research something that seems to be a big deal because unicorns are being injured. And that seems to be like one of these big deal moments in the wizarding world because, you know, as groundskeeper, keeper of keys, someone that will soon be a magical creatures teacher, Hagrid's never even seen a wounded unicorn. Like that seems to be like, whoa, like this is huge. I have to defend the punishment a little bit. 11 o'clock, yeah, for 11-year-olds is pretty late. You know what's later, though? 1 a.m., when they were caught sneaking around the castle. But pretty for, darn late. Yeah, that's late, but they were still on school grounds. Like, they were, all intents and purposes, they were still in Hogwarts, even though they were in the tower. Like, I don't think it would have been a bigger deal if they were caught in the tower versus, you know, sneaking down to the kitchen to get sweets or treats. Like, they were out past hours, like, granted, that's deserving of some sort of punishment because, you know, there's a curfew that they had to adhere to. Their punishment's being sent into Death Forest. Also, they were being punished because there were rumors that they wanted to hang out with a dragon, a murder beast. Their friend is in the hospital with a mysterious bite on his hand. They're saying it's a dog. Madame Palfrey is pretty sure it's a dragon bite. But even when they're assigned detention in the previous chapter, uh, McGonagall refers to it as like a cock and bull story. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you you fed this information to Malfoy. Malfoy tried to catch you guys in something. You were here to see him, like, fail and get caught trying to prove him wrong. I, I can understand that, yeah, granted they weren't lying, like, all this stuff actually did happen. I don't blame McGonagall for, you know, catching them in the act. I don't blame Neville even for being like, hey, guys, watch out. They all kind of deserve the punishment for being out after hours of being caught for it. Granted, they shouldn't have been caught because they had an invisibility cloak that they forgot. That's on them. This is just not one of those situations where the punishment fits the crime, though. 
But this this punishment is coming a few weeks later, the exam's coming up, where I think maybe McGonagall has now pieced together that maybe there was an actual dragon involved. I think that's too big of a lie for her to believe. I, I would err on the side of her being like, no, they they lied to Malfoy trying to catch him or something. Cause, and I'm going to go up against this in chapter 16, granted. So mm-hmm. remember this argument for later. I feel like she has no reason to believe anything that the kids are saying at this point because they're first years. They're kids. Like She has no reason to believe that Hagrid has a dragon that they're trying to smuggle out of the school. Because she hasn't seen anything at this point to prove that. But uh, there is proof. Ron's hand. He got bit by a dog. Hermione Granger lied before to her. A lie that, I'll say for now, uh, McGonagall believes that she wanted to go out looking for that troll. Again, she had no reason to lie for that. Listen to chapter five, I think it was, Halloween. I don't have my notes in front of me. She didn't even have to lie about that. Nope. Hermione, stop lying. You're not good at it. She's bad at it. Uh, Hermione, you're too straight-laced. You have no reason to lie. You can just tell the truth in a uh, in an exciting way. You were in the bathroom. A troll showed up. You're not lying at that point. So you got these two students, Harry and Hermione, who got in into trouble before. Had points taken away from them, both of them, before for going after a dangerous creature. There's this rumor going around about a dragon. Dangerous creature. So now they're getting punished by going out and seeking a dangerous creature late at night. Well, that's exactly what they got in trouble for. So I'm just saying, it's like a parent that finds their kid smoking and just makes that kid smoke a whole pack of cigarettes all at once. To be like, if you want to smoke, you got to smoke them all, you know? If you want to go hang out with dangerous creatures at night, let's... Do it big! Forbidden Forest. Again, like, going back to that, though, like, they were just out of bed late. This wasn't a case of them necessarily, like, caught smuggling a dragon out. Like, if they had been caught smuggling the dragon out before it got mm-hmm. taken away, I could understand, like, okay, you're doing dangerous things. We're going to make you do a dangerous thing. But for all a, uh, McGonagall knows, is like, no, these kids were just up late pulling a prank on a rival house. It just seems like too big. I, I don't want to get hung up on it because we're, we're going around there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's still some other chapter here. I will agree with you, Chris. If McGonagall doesn't believe there was a dragon involved, this seems like a little too big of a punishment. The very first thing that they go over at the you know start of the year great feast is like, hey, kids, you're not allowed to go to this floor. You're not allowed to go into the Forbidden Forest. Because up until this point, too, we don't get a lot of Dumbledore. Like he's not so much a central character. Like we've seen him a couple times because he's given the speech at the the Great Feast. He's appeared to Harry when Harry found the Mirror of Erised, and then the next time we see him is when he pops up at the Quidditch game. And even then, everyone's like, "Whoa, Dumbledore's going to be there!" Like that's a big deal for them. It's a dangerous thing, but they're with Hagrid. And the, well, some of some of them are going to be with Hagrid, Hagrid and Fang, <laughs> and they split up between Hagrid and Fang, and they say that as long as they're with Hagrid and Fang, there's nothing in that forest that's going to hurt them, and that's lies. 
No, seeing as there's there's still a giant before. spider out there that hasn't been addressed until now, or until the, the, the second stuff book in the forest, Hagrid put there. <laughs> no, he's just em- emptying his uh chamber pot out the window, like uh, don't go behind the house, kids. Ugh. Love you and I hate you. Much like everything else, at Hogwarts. Hogwarts is a terrible school. Everybody. It feels more like a summer camp than school. Yeah. Sometimes the punishments feel like they're being handed out by malicious teenagers rather than professors. But let's actually get into it. They go out there. It's Harry, Hermione, Neville, Draco, Hagrid, and Fang going out to search for a wounded unicorn. There's drops of silvery, glowy blood. Which I just imagine being like mercury. I mean, we do see it in the movies, but when you talk about like a silvery substance that's just kind of how i always pictured it Mercury's really fun to play with too fun to play with don't do it <laughs> don't do it we were all kids we all broke a old thermometer to oh yeah the mercury but it's dangerous <laughs> don't want to do it small amount though it's kind of fun uh, <laughs> have fun with it don't do it but have fun with it i'm i'm a hogwarts professor what can i say they split off into teams you got hagrid harry and hermione and then you got Fang, Neville, and Draco. Those are two uneven teams. That was a horrible draft. Whoever was in charge, that draft should be fired. Let, let's do a draft right now. Okay. You can pick. You get first pick. Um. So am I on? So we're sorting into two teams. Yep. So I get to pick who I'm going with. Yep. Okay. Um, well, you're the manager. You're picking the team to be successful. Okay, so I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to be with them going into the forest. I'm picking who I would send into the forest. Yep. Okay. Uh, first pick. I'm sorry. I'm going to go Hermione because yeah, she's not field tested, but she's you know she's done the research. She's book smart. Like she's going to know what she's going up against in there. See, at my first pick, I'm going Hagrid. Hagrid. He knows the lay of the land. He's got a crossbow. He's got a crossbow. He's put the majority of stuff in there. Hagrid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Right. Um, so that leaves Harry, Neville, Draco, and Fang on the list for you. I mean, Harry's going to be the next pick just because, yeah, he's still new to everything, but he gets lucky, as we'll see later on in this chapter. You got your book smarts, you got your luck. Boom. Like, you could take literally everyone else on the list. I'd still probably come out ahead. Yeah, at least with with uh, Neville, Fang, and Draco. I would kind of want to take Fang. But you know what? He's such a coward, and he, we know he runs away as soon as there's trouble. Yeah. So I'm going with... Uh, so that leaves me with Draco. Well, okay. But, okay. Before, before we get to that point, though. Like, yeah. we're not in the forest yet. We just know... What we know. Oh, I'm going with. I would still go with Neville because okay. I don't trust the other two. So you, you get to pick between Fang and Draco. I mean, honestly, at that point too, I'm probably going to pick Malfoy because yeah, he's a crummy kid. Like he's terrible, but he is well versed in the wizarding world. And the only problem that we're going to see pop up is the fact that he's harassing Neville. Mm-hmm. Like he's just. He's just giving him a hard time because Neville's just the Hogwarts whipping boy. Like, that's... At this point, it'd be wrong of him not to give him a hard time because everyone's giving him a hard time. 
Right. Yeah, I get Fang. It's my last pick. Yeah, which, you know, you, you would have taken, except for the fact that he runs away. But Fang's still going to listen to Hagrid. I think there is, like, a... Oh, yeah, if they're teamed up together, there's a good synergy. Yeah, there's a synergy there. Like, So it's not like Fang's a complete wash at this point. You're going to get more out of Fang being with Hagrid than you get just him being on his own. I could see Neville really sticking close to Fang as well, you know, yeah. right behind Hagrid. I think I think we both picked better teams than the teams that were picked to go in there. You know why? We'd be we'd be solid uh, Hogwarts professors. <laughs> yeah. so we would be. We're we're, we're so ready. You're we so ready. Application right there. Prepared. I mean, I would just pitch myself on the fact that like I wouldn't send kids into the murder woods. That's where I'm at. I still would. <laughs> Punishment fits the crime. And as Hagrid said, if you're going to do something, you might as well do something useful. True. Now. The other professors apparently think something useful, like signing the autographs, are still work. He's not wrong. He gets a lot of fan mail, that Gilroy Lockhart. (laughs) But we basically get two excursions into the forest. First, with our original teams, until we find out that (laughs) Malfoy's giving Neville a hard time and they wind up swapping. So it's Fang, Malfoy, and Harry. But this is ultimately like a big deal. And I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more of that Harry and... Malfoy interaction as they're exploring the forest because they kind of just gloss over it really quick until we get that shadowy cloaked figure attacking the unicorn. Or not not even necessarily attacking, but like feeding off the unicorn. But before we get to that, we get some centaur talk, which the centaurs are going to come back later on in the actual book series. But if you only know Harry Potter from the movies, you're not going to see them again. And I think that kind of does a disservice, not just to the centaur race, but also the character that we're going to wind up meeting down the road with Ferenz, who really does have some stuff to do later on the books when um, uh, divination professor Sybil Trinani gets kicked out of the school by Dolores Umbridge. We only see them one other time in the movies, and that's... When they carry her off, which I... I have thoughts about that because there's no good that can come from that. No, she's going to get dragged. And that's not going to be good for anybody. Here, though, in this chapter, we meet Ronan and then we also meet Bane. Two centaurs who are very interested in how how close Mars is. Super bright, guys. Super bright. Mars is bright tonight. Which, you know, is the red planet. So maybe they're influencing that blood was spilled, murders happening. That's what I am divining. Hey. War is coming closer. The red moon rising, like they're kind of inching towards like that conflict. Later on, we'll get them actually talking about the conflict is definitely coming. They've read it in the stars. They know evil, aka Voldemort, is coming back. They sense it. They they see the movements. Yeah. And the centaurs are very interested to keep to themselves and not get mixed up in the affairs of the witches and wizards, it seems. Yeah, they're very like isolationist, which I can understand, and at that point, it does make sense later on, where we do see them kind of turn against Ferenc, because he is a little bit more compassionate. He winds up helping Harry escape from Voldemort, you know, in a few more pages in this chapter, by doing the unthinkable. He lets Harry ride on his back as they're escaping. And then ultimately, like a common mule, 
But then also when Ferenc gets welcomed into Hogwarts to teach divination, that's kind of like the breaking point. Like the other centaurs that are living in the Forbidden Forest are like, no, no, no. Like you're now playing too big into the human's world. Like that's, that's unconscionable. Like you, you can't do that. You're, you're out guys. You're done. You know, you're back kicked out of like the, the herd, the colony, whatever. Uh, the herd. The herd. Okay. They call them. Uh, they even say that they're called herds. I can remember. Like, yeah, well, you know, like he gets excommunicated for his interactions with humans, you know, four books from now. Team of Harry, uh, Draco, and Fang. For a little bit, Fang, before he, he dips. They come across the wounded unicorn who is now dead. They're itching closer towards it, and then a sweeping hooded figure reaches over to feed, and that's where where Draco and Fang both dip out. Don't don't blame them. Luckily, for Breeze, Renz, Lawrence <laughs> basically comes yep. over. This saves the day. Kicks away the cloaked figure and braces Harry on out of there. This is a notable interaction, too, because this is when it's actually confirmed not just to Harry, but to us as the reader, that, no, this is a big deal. Because Hagrid's already told us that, no, it's terrible to kill a unicorn. Ferenc kind of gives more weight to that with saying, if you're an inch from death, drinking the unicorn's blood's going to save your life. At this point, you live a cursed half-life, but it's going to be enough to keep you alive. And this is where it's really sold to Harry that, who do you think would be so bold and take that upon themselves, who could do this? And using what he has available to him is Voldemort. And now things kind of start weaving together. Like, and why would he be doing this? Well, he has his sights set on a bigger goal with the Sorcerer's Stone. Now this is where everything really starts getting pieced together, but the group still only has half that information. They still think this is going to be Professor Snape going up against it. And it makes sense because to them, yeah, they've heard those rumblings and rumors that, well, yes, Snape used to be a Death Eater. Of course, he's going to be trying to get that Sorcerer's Stone. He can then give it to Voldemort, who's secretly back now. Oh my gosh, you guys, we, we solved it. We, we figured out the conspiracy. They got three pieces of the puzzle, one of which is wrong. <laughs> Uh, mostly two of those pieces are probably so wrong for them. This is, know, this is they huge. Know, they know this is their Sorcerer's Stone. They know they it's going to be used to help bring back Voldemort. The third the third piece is it's Professor Quirrell yeah. trying to get it, not Snape. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> 66%. But this is, I think this is kind of really the the, the crux of the story. Because now... We've heard the rumors and rumblings about Voldemort, but now it's official. Like he is going to be that threat. He is going to be the the end boss for the book. Before it was, we just had some you know minor players. Mrs. Norris, the cat, uh, <laughs> Mr. Filch, her dad, husband, <laughs> owner. I don't, I don't get that relationship. And then the exams. Oh. Then Snape being the main antagonist. Oh, and then. Something we'll come to later. Uh, also, then the Peeves, the ghost. Always causing them trouble. Almost getting them caught a couple times. A few times, yeah. Which, again, like, I wish the ghost had spent, like, a little bit more uh, time in the movies, because I feel like that's 
like wasted story and wasted characters. Mm-hmm. The ghosts are cool. Ghosts do bring more ambiance. I understand why they were cut. You know, they, yeah. they made a lot of cuts. Um, unfortunately, there were a couple movies that I think they made too many cuts, and we'll talk about that in some of some, some of those books. Half blood. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Also, in uh, I think Prisoner and Order. Order of the Phoenix, I think they made um, cuts as well. Yeah, I, I would say Order. Prisoner's like a weird in-between. I don't know. It's I have to go back because I haven't reread that book in years. I haven't watched the movie in a couple of years, so I I should go back and... I'm, I mean, we're still in the middle of the quarantine. You know, it's uh, May 8th when we're recording this. I could easily tomorrow just do a Harry Potter rewatch. Because I haven't watched some of these movies in a while. That's why we're doing this Word Books with Friends right now. It's exciting. It's good to go back to it. And all I have to say is, can Harry get any more melodramatic at the end here? He's just like, resave me. So Bane was furious, of course. But (laughs) Bane would be happy if I died, because apparently that's what the planets and stars want. The kid is just so whiny right now. He's, He's very whiny, but then... Again, I don't blame him because he just he just came out of the Forbidden Forest while being on detention, possibly going up against werewolves. He doesn't know. He just heard that they're out there. And then Filch isn't helping by being like, yep, there's werewolves. Should have thought about that before you're up past curfew. Harry's coming off of a lot. So I don't blame him for being overly dramatic. But then also he's not wrong either because he just found out that like, yeah, Voldemort's still out there. He's, you know, in the Forbidden Forest. Thanks, Hagrid. Killing unicorns. He he doesn't know. He could possibly think that Hagrid put him out there. Who knows? He's he's coming off of a lot. Yes, he just needs to go to bed. And luckily, when he gets to bed, he finds uh, his invisibility cloak back with just a simple note pinned to it, just in case. Just in case. Which, yeah, he'll definitely wind up using it more and again. And we'll get to when he uses it next in the following chapter. Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. Through the Trap Door. Hopefully you're enjoying us doing this word books and with friends. Hopefully it's inspired you to go back and uh, start rereading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And if you have, let us know over on Facebook. We're Bagged and Board. Contact us on email, bagged and at gmail.com. 